Welcome, one and all, to Picard, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Star Trek universe. My name is Matt, and joining me still is Pete from 1999. What's up, Pete? And you could be earth's next great hero picard a star trek podcast by fantastic geek for episode 202 penance comes to you now via columbia roast black uh pete here we are in the nexus of the double star trek offerings that have gone on last week this week and next week yes it may return uh in may uh when there's gonna be double star trek but that's a long way off uh for now we are living in the greatest star trek timeline but pete what else is on our space radar strange new worlds uh the next star trek spinoff uh dropped its first teaser trailer this week we'll be bringing you a podcast regarding that a little later this week, our first offering for what will become our 27th podcast feed to Apple Podcasts uh, next month. Uh, and of course, also this upcoming week will be the uh, the airing, the streaming of uh, Star Trek Discovery Episode 413, the season finale, certainly not the series finale. Uh, so looking forward to podcasting that next Saturday. Uh, and of course we'll be talking about the season as a whole the Saturday after that. Again, Picard holding strong on Star Trek Sundays for its entire, uh, for its entire run, uh, a run that will eventually be taken over by Strange New World. So again, Star Trek Sundays, Star Trek Sundays, Star Trek Sunday. And then Marvel Saturdays, of course, with, uh, Moon Knight starting on March 30th. Well, let's go back to the future's past now and head into our mission briefing. Sirens wail as a female voice announces atmospheric sweepers coming online over a very different Earth with particle pollution down 23% in the upper troposphere. Picard exits his home to... <clears throat> Look up as he asks Q about the crew of the Stargazer, how yesterday's enterprise of him. This is a world of their own making. Picard is more than a piece. He is the very board upon which the game is played. Though Picard says he is too old for Q's BS, Old, yes, how unfair time is. So many wrinkles, disappointments. Uh, but the chase is not only cut, it is bleeding, it is dying in Picard's arm, and Q is but a suture in the wound. Matt, this dialogue at the beginning here is astounding. It's very, very well presented. I'll point out, Pete, it took us two minutes of episode to get here uh there being two minutes of previously on which don't that get me wrong super long previously on yeah luckily i was just able to skip over it since i watched picard 201 probably more times than i care to admit uh in the last week but it certainly was like yeah it's, it's you know skip recap and it was like oh, i just went two minutes okay um pete some of the subtext here further revealing itself by the way 
if you weren't getting enough wink to the audience with the yesterday's enterprise reference and the extended metaphor of pawns and boards and bleeding and sutures q looks a little stunned by picard's response there uh picard intuiting the q is not well with that q snaps um kind of do you notice Pete sands the light flash and mm-hmm. m- magic? Bring? I mean, it wasn't quite as bringy, but you know, sands the sound effect. Um, which honestly, when I saw that in the previews, uh, I was like, "Oh, it's probably because the effects aren't complete." That's fine. No, a, a, a style choice here might not be my style choice. I might have just gone for the old school, um, but it is what it is. Uh, they are transparent. Well, to the is field. that a hint towards what's wrong with him? Ooh, um, I mean, listen, it certainly could be. Also, I don't know. I mean, I, I think back to how that effect was flawless and beautiful. And then I say, wait, that effect was completed for the first time in the spring or summer of 1987. Like, is there a better way to do that effect now? Which, you know, is like an animation coming out of his hand than a white flash on the screen. So you can secretly cut, you know, hide a cut there. And now all of a sudden... There's the mariachi band, or there's whatever, you know, Q hijinks. Um, Pete, I think it could be either or, uh, but seeing as how it is abutting this notion that Q is not well, you certainly could be onto something. Um, it's mentioned that, that, well, Picard says it was harvest day. Q says this is same day, same time, but a different harvest. Of course, part of it being, you know, different timeline and all of that uh, as well. We get the great line that, you know, Q had intervened. Uh, he went looking for Jean-Luc and just went to the nearest explosion, which is a delicious, I mean, it's not a nod to the audience, but just this notion of like, anytime you need a, a great Star Trek person or, you know, great person in the Federation who's in Starfleet, you know, of course there's explosions and wars, you know, it's never like, I'm the toilet paper transport guy. It's always, you know, Picard with the Enterprise smashing things, um, Q notes that we are never too old to be students of our own uh, behaviors. Uh, And then Q smacks Picard for his obstinance and for his refusal to change. Gasp, Pete. How dare they lay a hand on Sir Patrick Stewart? Yeah. uh, Not change or changing in all the ways, but the one that matters. Interesting. So this is not a lesson. It is the episode title penance that's the that, another, that's the title of the episode you just said <laughs> another snap there and a record player playing non jeune region uh from the previous episode um and the skies there kept on life support like a corpse uh the the planet uh another snap where inside a kitchen there are slaves uh, on their knees scrubbing, sharpening knives, Romulans and or Vulcans here, a trio of them, because, as Q says, paradise has to have a staff. These alien slaves, Picard would never, ever. And then Q tells him to come along as Picard wipes the blood matt some people have said q made picard human because blood but soji bled too so thanks for playing i also also 
the the very clear story conceit at the end of last season was yes it's a robot body but it's a robot body reset to normal human standards i think maybe there was the caveat like your aging might be a little slower but essentially it was this it was them turning to the camera and saying and now this fatal uh was it a brain thing or a heart thing i know he had the synthetic heart so it was a, the, th- this fatal brain thing that got referenced all the way way back and now we've brought into season one of picard like now we're done with that we've fixed the unfixable thing because data positronic robot technology but now that doesn't mean that picard all of a sudden has like he's not inspector gadget okay he's not gonna have mission variable plugins and helicopter he's not colson like now he's just patrick stewart again and and you know and and that's what we were told so of course things like bleeding and, and all of that let alone as you said pete it was referenced enough in for that technology last season and so forth it gets referenced in the next room well and, and pete i'll do one further perhaps a bit of a tangent but under the umbrella of um a school in the the faux fans um what's the name of that production designer whose twitter i discovered in the last week and you've been on to for forever david blass yeah so he he people had complained last week to him you know oh uh, you had a uh you had a a bridge on the the stargazer bridge stargazer bridge with low lighting and stairs i wish we could get back to the way star trek used to be and then he's replying to them saying yeah here's a picture from memory alpha of the bridge from uh you know fr- from the cage with stairs and low lighting and it's like i'll just leave this right here a i love that he's off the leash enough to be able to fight back yeah. and there isn't pr going delete that delete that um b- but furthermore y- you can't fight against the things that you see in a show with evidence when the show already has done the things that you say they can't now do into this library matt or Maybe we know it as a library, but I doubt they come in here to read books very much. Uh, And the man who holds the mirror darkly, more darklier. (laughs) There's Cardassian armor. There's the Klingon torch bearer uh, costume armor from uh, Star Trek Discovery. Various phaser rifles and pistols, including those of the Jat Vosh, a disruptor rifle and dagger, clearly labeled. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned uh, Dave Blass, Neville Page, who's a creature designer for Star Trek, has shared all sorts of information about the skulls here, beginning with the Ferengi um, that they created for Star Trek Picard Season 2. Yeah, I... I know it was it was noted on Memory Alpha. This is the first time it's confirmed the Ferengi have bone in their ears. Well, okay, let's just let's just dial this pretend show back just one second here. If they showed you a Ferengi skull that didn't have bones in the ears, what would it look like? Would it wouldn't look like a Ferengi. It wasn't Ferengi skull. <laughs> exactly, like, like chillax here. Okay. Yeah, like 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 whatever it is. Let's not forget that these are fake aliens played by people who have rubber and glue on their heads. You know. Um, yeah, Ferengi, Borg, Cardassian. Pete, we've gotten all these skulls plus a reference to a mirror darkly, you know, the the 
Enterprise episode, one might think that's it for sweet, sweet call-outs in the episode. No, no, Pete, that Cardassian skull, it's Gul Dukat, uh, who um, gave Picard his replacement body. That Klingon skull, General Martok, uh, who created the virovirus that destroyed the Klingon homeworld. Uh, that Vulcan one there, that's Director he, Sarek. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't create the virus. They oh. had decimated Klonos with the virus. There you go. Uh, but the one that hurts the most, Pete, Director Sarek, decapitated by Picard uh, in front of his wife and son. That's right, Pete. Spock confirmed, question mark? Uh, definitely. Um, a nice touch, Q adds, carried out by the greatest general the mighty Confederation of Earth has ever seen. And then we have that... Uh, enterprise-esque painting versus the borg um this is the only life that picard seems to understand um and that they will see what else has been lost in the wake of his fear and like macbeth more so lady macbeth uh the blood unwashable here can there be atonement, maybe even forgiveness? Uh, but Q is not going to let Picard do it alone. The Picard who refuses Q. And then we have our synthetic valet, Harvey, uh, who is asked if he's meant to respond to the name of Q now. Uh, yeah, which is a fun a fun moment here um thank goodness uh, story-wise thank goodness there are these synths because clearly picard is looking uh out of sorts i think that if if he had if it was for example the vulcan staff or if it was a a human staffer um it would be oh he's you know he's uh not well mentally and so on and so forth you have the story wiggle room here with with uh with harvey uh harvey also notes that sensors show that no one has been here all day so whoever you were talking to wasn't there uh with that picard starts to walk the halls pete we get the credits with all the regulars minus isa brignones uh special guest star john delancey uh, and then pete because it takes a village <gasps> teleplay by akiva goldsman terry madelis and christopher montfett Story by Michael Chabon, Akiva Goldsman, and Terry Madelis, and Christopher Montfett. Uh, a uh, directorial offering here by Douglas Arniokoski. And um, that's a whole lot of people to make a very, very fine episode here. Against the backdrop of Chateau Picard here, we have the voiceover uh, recording in the name of the Confederation Picard fought for a pure universe one by one with the aid of the brave crew of the CSS World Razor. Love what they did there. They conquered the stars. This hologram explains that they sought out and subjugated savage civilizations, boldly conquering warlike alien worlds to increase the wealth and resources for future generations of humanity and 
the people listening could be the next great hero of Earth because a safe galaxy is a human galaxy. And um, Patrick Stewart just completely sells this here, wincing at those words. I wonder if the CSS Razor flew around with a confederation flag sticking out the back of it i i didn't see that in the painting i I don't know with that harvey delivers uh the morning usual it is uh colombian roast black uh, which pete sounds very intense um (laughs) it is with this uh admission uh i don't know that this is a what's about to happen picard saying that this is truly the circle that dante overlooked uh, Pete, I will allow the moment of humor. I don't know that Picard literally in the moment has determined that like the slavery stuff is bad and the subjugation stuff is bad, but black Colombian roast coffee, that's the worst. I, I, I'm not taking that as the takeaway. It's a little ha-ha in, in an otherwise uh, dour situation. Picard asks again for Laris. Nope, no Laris here. No Laris never here. Uh, Picard uh, did encounter one though Harvey says doing the old uh, memory check there Laris and Javan were uh, leaders of the freedom fighters but they were killed in the gates of Romulus so Pete on your tally board there that is twice now that Shaban has been uh, killed off screen in as many episodes man. <laughs> yeah there may be photos of, of the bodies, though, at the Museum of Conquest. And Harvey knows how much General Picard enjoys such. Uh, not necessary here. But Picard is told he's got to get ready because a shuttle will be landing on the South Lawn in two hours to escort him to the President's Palace for Eradication Day, whatever that is. We head to or just under San Francisco's Golden Gate Bridge, where a male voice tells us to have a glorious eradication day as mankind moves ever closer to securing the galaxy. A woman that we identify in the next shot as Seven of Nine sleeps with her hand over the left side of her face. She gasps awake and up, an automated voice calls her Annika. Um, and this is totally not the Borg artifact set, right? Oh, I hadn't, I must admit, Pete, I, I had not noticed that perhaps because this is Soji's room for certain. Okay. Um, if I, well, Pete, I won't even, I won't say if you are, you are spoiler Pete, you speak the truth. The fact that I did not notice that I think is a credit to the show. And here's why and you're normally better with that stuff than I am. Well, listen, I was, I, I was so amused by the fact that the camera is hiding her eye. Um, in part, they, they kind of draw it out. I wouldn't say too much. But they draw it out, draw it out, draw it out. Pete, my only complaint is. I already knew she had two normal eyes because I saw the previews like forever ago. So if I hadn't seen the previews, then the fact that Doug uh, Arnie Okoski is taking the time to, to let's have your hand over it. Let's have you stand in a certain way so there's the light or the mirror or the this or the that. To then, dun da da two normal eyes. Um, and she's, her hand goes up. She's She said yes to the ring, Pete. Uh, she says this can't be real. I love that seven of all people let alone it's probably part of just the standard starfleet training 
is the are you trapped in a in an alien play or are you on 10 forward giving a play <laughs> are you in a dream did somebody are you playing a flute a real flute a fake flute so there's the there's the quick check of cognition with makeup on the mirror uh and checking her senses and so forth like when how... they do a series that is nothing but time travel that that'll be laid out and it'll be delicious you know if 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 not joked about on lower decks before then uh star trek colon guardians of the guardians of the guardian <laughs> time trap something uh, pete this could be a, a late 2020 show but anyhow these checks have shown to her that this is real which is again it's a handy kind of story way to say no 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 this is real for her this is real for all how is this possible she quick kind of recaps we were on the stargazer the borg uh with that hubby is home coffee on its way he says four hours until your speech let's rise to meet the moment madam president astonished gasps because i must admit pete that one i did not see coming from the previews with a walk and talk here uh he's asking for her input on the speech uh universal might or merciful power the second of course on her desk in her office holographic frames featuring their wedding and her inauguration uh Hubby explains there's dissident activity in Okinawa and a morning update from the Vulcan front has the casualty count at eight. Oh, yes, the Vulcan war. And there's some really not even blink. It's hard to even capture uh, the screens of the uh, before the swipe, but there's reference made to Tuvok and a number of other legacy characters. Ooh, I'm gonna have to go back and I'm gonna have to go back and check that out. Uh, Pete, that's it for the referencing of gen- uh, uh, of legacy characters, right? She would like an update as she flips on through. She's found Rio, so she wants an update. He offers up General Cisco, which Memory Alpha rather rather uh, I don't know, pouring cold water on it says could be a reference to benjamin cisco yeah guess what it's a reference to benjamin cisco or that's what it is it's not oh there happened to be some jaco i mean look could it be i mean beyond that it's not you know it's not you know hey i'm al cisco i worked my way up to be general in the confederate like come on it's the prophets i heard of them no prophets around here bang bang you're dead um anyhow she has searched for colonel cristobal rios uh, get me him for uh, an update and privacy and coffee. Pete, I think there's coffee in that nebula. Wow. See what I did there? Uh, there's a fleet of La Serenas against Vulcans as Rios comes to in this time. Uh, deflector shields down to 67%. We have a character in another la serena ship uh this one given to us in subtitles only as zila um who's asking the colonel if he's all right he puts it on autopilot as she tells him that they're gonna come around and put those green-blooded bad guys down wait what we hello victory 
his plan of bait and switch has worked. And once they mop up, what are his orders to take two squadrons and cut off the Vulcan escape route? Uh, because, Matt, if they don't stop those green bloods now, they will meld their minds and scramble their testicles until they're begging to die. Uh, delightful scene. I also appreciate that mixed into it is um, kind of character uh, lack of culpability and that Rios, you know, Rios uh, is asked to give orders and he says, basically do the thing I said before. So that results in her destroying the Vulcans, not Rios, uh, which Pete, I don't know if that's like if any one of us end up in an alternate timeline, I don't know if that's like a handy way to get things established, but I do appreciate that. I appreciate that there's a limit to how many characters we want to see like, oh man, then they had to adapt to the new timeline, but we've gotten like Picard who gets the handholding from Q. We've gotten seven who kind of gets the privacy to, establish that things are real which also helps us if we had any doubts helps us establish it then she's getting you know come on madam president like there's kind of the story is helping her and here it's kind of rios like rios needs to scramble and figure it out for himself yes with the help of uh, do those old orders but again we're kind of we're kind of getting different ways that this is introduced to a point where when we get to the last of the characters on this list it's like all right we don't need to necessarily figure out you know how Rafi figured out that she was the this not the it's just we're we're in the the mode here of people are figuring it out there are suddenly explosions on the surface of Vulcan as an incoming alpha level priority com from President Hansen chimes a uh, couple beats here and then Rios taps his delta badge with a sword uh, Picard's sword has several bars across it, perhaps indicating rank. Um, and this is totally a secure channel activated here for this personal briefing. I can assure you anything you say on here about anything you've experienced that's out of the ordinary, you can totally speak freely. Um, he asks for seven she says chris what the what um something or someone has moved us uh ultimately he's recalled to earth on presidential authority and he says he's on his way with that we cut to okinawa a building explodes hey remember how they mentioned the uprest earlier uh elmore get uh, elnor rather gets uh, congratulations and is told to run uh rebellion is on its way one explosion for Cardassia, one for Kronos, one for Romulus, one for Andoria. Soon we will be free, says his lady friend. And then she's shot. Uh, Elnor runs and is cornered. Uh, the chief says to hold fire. The chief's hood is up. Pete, if only we will find out who the chief is one day. The hood comes down, it's Rafi. Uh, they have found one another. She recaps that they had been on the Excelsior. I guess, Pete, she doesn't know we had a very lengthy recap to start this episode. Um, regardless, a lockdown is initiated. If you can imagine such things, Pete, in 1999, a lockdown being initiated for the city, uh, troops find them and the chief, uh, pulls a gun on Elnor, uh, you know, play along, et cetera, et cetera. She tells the troops to keep him alive for questioning. And he doesn't know what's going on 
and the number of times Elnor speaks unnecessarily but hilariously in this episode uh, begins now. Annika's conversation with uh, Rios was productive, but um, her husband notes that she seems preoccupied. Well, why doesn't he explain what they're doing and why this day is so special to convince her that he's focused on the right priorities, which is a great way to get at the effortless exposition that as is tradition on Eradication Day, they will get rid of dissidents, alien sympathizers, and terrorists. And today of all days, they will eradicate the last of the Confederation's great enemies. Dr. Girardi should have finished prepping her by now. Oh, hey, Agnes is here? Uh, Pete. Cut to Agnes, uh, who has Spot 73, the hollow cartoon, talking to her. Uh, Patton Oswald, question mark? No, no. Patton Oswald, confirmed. So there we are, Pete. He's now in Star Trek. Okay. He's appeared in Marvel live-action TV. He's appeared in Marvel movie voicing the character at the end of the worst Marvel movie having been made yet. Um, the guy's everywhere. He is... He, he, he's making the multiverse in, in animation as well. He's making the multiverse that his Parks and Rec character promised. He's responsible for Boba Fett emerging from the Sarlacc all those years later. Um, Gerardi wonders if perhaps she's crazy or dead uh, or in a crazy mirror universe. Pete, I love that for people in the 24th, now 25th century, for people in Starfleet or Starfleet adjacent, people who know their Federation history, of course there's a possibility that when everything is suddenly wackadoo and not the way it should be, it's a possibility that you're in a crazy mirror universe. Like, they just know it. They just know that that is a possibility. Uh, with that, da, 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 the president has arrived. Um, Pete, for my liking, I understand that Gerardi is like, bright at the things that she's good at and then a little bit of a nerd otherwise but it's like she just wondered if she's in the mirror universe and then she's like hey seven what do you mean seven? Oh, this is your 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 husband but wait seven. Oh, it's a crazy mirror universe like yeah you just said that um flip side is pete i guess since everybody else was like oh it's a crazy mirror universe got it i'm ready to jump on in and play the character it is a little it is a little uh I don't know. It's a little, little zig to the zag in order to have her be a little slow to really dive on in. But but dive on in, we will. Uh, the prisoner uh, in the stasis cell, uh, is the prisoner ready? Gerardi nods. Uh, and she's going to assume that this is something she knows how to do, which is, again, maybe not something that you might say aloud if you are sure you're in a crazy mirror universe, but it does make me uh, like Gerardi just a little bit more. I love that Allison Pill is allowed to play the character this way and that she's the most unhinged. And I think in particularly this season, it has greater story import what happens later on in this setting. Uh, Seven, of course, a college drinking buddy. That's a nickname uh, covered up rather quickly here. And the last time that President Hansen saw um, Gerardi, she was gazing at the stars, you know, because she's a stargazer. Particularly well done there. 
Um, so with the specimen extracted here, we get the Borg Queen torso. Uh, Seven sees this and steps back. And the magistrate explains that of all the enemies of humankind brought under heel, none has ever quite been so dangerous. So you could be, this could be your first Borg queen, which watching this series, it, it could actually be your second Borg queen. There are a number of Borg queens, as we learn in a moment here, all same, all different. Um, but it's a good entry point for the story and for uh, Annie Worshing's poor uh, queen. And indeed the way she is presented, you know, kind of half a body and, and having been pulled up from stasis and all of that, even in this first scene, I, I think we are meant to ask the question, are we sympathetic uh, mm -hmm. for her and for the situation? Um, certainly the fact that in a little while we're going to get, you know, like the hero shot of everybody, standing there ready to beam up or successfully beamed up or whatever it is. And it's like, Oh, the Borg queen is one of our heroes. Like I didn't expect that. Um, but uh, Pete, let's not get ahead of ourselves with the chronometer and all that. The Borg queen recognizes Hanson comma Annika assimilated 2350. Uh, she notes the Borg queen does to herself that her chronometer is off. Uh, reality has been split. Time has been broken. Uh, Seven notes that the Borg Queen can hear echoes from other realities uh, and other times. Uh, so, so Annika hears of such things. Um, and just when you think this scene might be might be getting ready to lag a little bit, a staffer says that General Picard's shuttle will be landing soon. The Queen turning to Gerardi here, though, fragile teacup, uh, accustomed to this feeling anywhere, this feeling of unbelonging, really interesting stuff here. She is in a cage, the poor queen is, but she's also burning quadrants of distant systems that reality has been split, division and time broken. Um, and also uh, President Hansen's explanation so she's heard, Matt, that the Borg Queen has kind of trans-temporal awareness, which bridges adjacent times and realities. She hears echoes of herself, each other, uh, and there's a quick uh, computer reference of a tritium pad injecting interplexing nullifiers, those interplexing beacons from Star Trek First Contact to contact the Borg in uh the 21st century Ooh, good good catch there pete uh we cut to picard's shuttle as it lands at headquarters uh a synth perhaps pete a harvey model i don't know uh what the proper term would be but uh what i will colloquially say is a harvey is going to escort him to the office of the president picard takes a moment seeing rafi and elnor across the way um Elnor is about to be handed over, uh, but Rafi wants to keep him. Who authorizes this, says security lady. By me, says Picard, as he rolls on in. He glowers at the officer, has Rafi and Elnor follow. It's almost like Pete, maybe one of the executive producers of the show, I can't imagine who it is, maybe might have said, let's have Picard do more acting. Uh, Pete was a perhaps maybe executive producer, Patrick Stewart, who said, let's have Picard 
act more. Um, but uh, regardless, uh, it's whispered between Raffi and Elnor and Picard that they're in a mad world run uh, or sent there by a madman. Picard will get them home. Oh, by the way, Seven is president. <laughs> Which is great. And Raffi, uh, confident she'll wear that gracefully. Uh, Seven, in a reflection there with her husband, uh, is getting the explanation that Picard has petitioned the title Borg Slayer. Uh, to go along with his many conquests. And the magistrate there confronts the group for bringing an alien terrorist into close quarters with the president, who he will remind them is also his wife. Say what now? Um, indeed. It's also around this point where he's referenced uh, as the magistrate, which is the only name he gets for this episode. Pete, I think I might know why. More magistrate Huddy? <laughs> um let's see they are given space to talk our heroes are it's an alternate reality right the board queen has a theory divergence in time picard then understands that's how q did it it's not really an alternate reality it's our reality uh however q has changed the past elnor knows about q from picard's autobiography it's a great good. detail <laughs> yeah good job elnor mr alphabet from raffi <laughs> um from uh, Picard's experience with Q, they need to pass a test. So it's kind of what's great is Picard is in the, in the process of explaining this is going to be really challenging. But you know what? When the Napoleonic soldiers that are pig face aliens stab Worf, you just got to do the right thing and it'll all be okay. However, to Picard, Q seemed unstable, not quite sane, um, which is a delicious addition to it because. I'm just imagining, Pete, if we had the exact same season, but there wasn't concern about Q's mental state, then it would be like, the stakes aren't really stakes, because ultimately, how's it going to end? Q's going to go, good job. Bring! Now everything's back to normal. Uh, we, I mean, I, psst, I still think that's going to happen at the end, but now I'm not sure of it, because Q's not well. Um, it's time to get the band all together, uh, and the board queen knows this, too. The La Serena arrives at Earth. Dr. Gerardi hears from the Borg Queen that the world is a lie, a fiction of a what-if, Matt? Marvel's what-if? Um, and her response here, tell her about it, sister. But uh, the Queen announces the visitors as they beam in. Love that Gerardi... Uh, says to Picard, hey, mister. Yeah, I mean, Allison Pill is a delight in this show. She's a wonderful addition to the Star Trek family. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm, I, I don't want to sound like I'm speaking like she's new this season. It's just with the perspective on Gerardi as a character uh, and the fact that she's actually not guilty of killing her boyfriend. It was, after all, space-induced psychosis. She's just a great She's a great character and a reminder that in the future, we don't need to be perfect. We can still be our fallible selves and, and nonetheless search to be our best selves. Um, anyhow, uh, the queen uh, it sees Picard, sees Locutus, and that he is not Locutus. Uh, it is affirmed that, uh, or actually it's questioned, what did Q do to diverge things? Uh, the queen is considering the friend and the foe. Uh, noting that there was a, a single change back in 2024, which is less expensive to film. Earth, 
which is less expensive to film. Los Angeles, which is in the state that gave this show $20 million to film in California. Um, however, Pete, then an interesting thing here, someone to help a watcher seek the watcher. Now, Pete, I'm pretty sure it's not Marvel's watcher. However, I have some thoughts for later. So they have a new mission, Save the Past. Pete, that's setting up my expectation that at the end of this episode, they're going to go back to the past. It's that <laughs> simple. Um, how, however, Pete, how will they travel back? What are some of the options? There are cruder methods since um, uh, Seven's review of Confederation technology shows no time travel. Uh, that involve a star's gravitational pull and a slingshot maneuver, uh, creating temporal vision. Kirk's Enterprise did it on more than one occasion. And then, of course, Matt, there were the people that said, but wait, in the one with the whales, they didn't do it in an Enterprise. So they were... Uh, I mean, here's what I appreciate, Pete. I appreciate that we get all these past references uh and it doesn't even feel like fan service it's just again well you do it this is how you can yeah. go back in time like they're all and literate it's in a credit of... sequence yeah week after week <laughs> um it is of course referenced you know uh, they were able to do it because they had a spock but we have a board queen um seven questions the queen how did it feel to have your people eradicated uh, this is the pitiful end of the great Borg Empire. Uh, or is it that you want a way back to our present, uh, a, a, where there is a collective and there still is a future to fight? So it's, it, it first comes off as kind of Seven is um, sharing these things from an emotional point of view. Instead, she's pitching to the Borg Queen, join our team because you have no future here. The Borg have no future here. Why don't we stick a pin in on the present day fight, go back, fix the past. Then maybe there's a shot for the Borg, but then there's also a shot for everyone else as well. Um, and indeed, the Queen will help. Uh, and um, Rios is asked to beam him up and beam up the Borg Queen as well. Again, Pete, I have every expectation that at the end of this episode, we're going to see Los Angeles 2024. Slight continuity error. Seven calls for Captain Rios to beam them up. We've been told here, Colonel, is she slipping back into their reality? Referring to him as Captain remains to be seen, uh, but it doesn't track. Um, well, and, I mean, I mean, she knows him as a captain, right? right. I guess we're assuming. Can, can, here's the question, Pete: Can we assume that they still have a secure channel and the that well okay can we assume that it's not a, that it's not a continuity error that she's operating under a secure channel or it's, it's a it's uh, easily done when you say chris or rios instead true. of applying captain is it be... maybe a seed for next time like look we have this proof that you called him by the wrong i i don't know it's probably more on the error side than the on purpose side but you know we'll we'll take this as it goes pete do they successfully beam up? They do not. Uh, energized right back down because security has enacted a palace-wide lockdown. Oh, yes. President Hansen read about this in her brief. Uh, there's some kind of blind spots, but comms have now gone as well. And the queen is put back 
and on her way up to the stage because it's now time for the eradication day ceremony to begin. Uh, Pete, doubtless there are people online who said, Oh no, this is just a side quest because I did not predict this happening. Uh, or it's delightful twists and turns in a 10 episode uh, story arc here. Uh, the queen having put in, been put back in uh, stasis, that's also another kind of bouncing ball to follow here. Uh, the plan is for her to be terminated on stage by General Picard. So stakes raised here. They're now no longer just hiding out in Jurati's lab. Uh, the guards come, so it's time to improvise and scatter. Um, and indeed, Jurati uh, improvises one heck of a reason that they were uh, why they were all there. Uh, oh, that queen, so weaker than thou, off with the queen's head, uh, am I right, Off you, uh, as you were, and so forth. Um, Kawat Malat, or final stranglers, as they're known. <laughs> um, indeed. The, the magistrate kind of takes a moment and then says it's time for them to get on stage. Uh, with that, Pete, we cut to a wide shot where we hear the voice of, uh, of Adam Soong, a.k.a. Brent Spiner, reminding us that a safe galaxy is a human galaxy. Yes, another in the pantheon of soon characters he's played or will play. Uh, Gerardi continues to fuss with a com badge here and argue with Rios continuing on their uh, messy breakup, which is great given the uh, severity of the scene here. And then in, in front of totally a crowd of thousands matt totally in front of this stage you know what with those close-up shots of just a few of of the thousands yelling uh picard and the president wind up on stage before eventually the queen comes up through the little chute in the middle there this location a the walt disney concert hall in los angeles and b uh, a quick turnaround redress of the last time the show used the Walt Disney Concert Hall, which was uh, the Starfleet Academy speech. So there you go. Um, the way uh, Sir Patrick Stewart kind of blithely looks around, you know, looking around, presumably, or, you know, playing the role of General Picard. It's Patrick Mugging. Stewart playing the role of Picard, playing the role of General Picard. You know, kind of kind of just, you know, yes, praise me. It's a fantastic moment. Um Seven steps up and gives the speech. We have victorious celebration, humanity's merciful power. And then here comes Mr. Mercy himself, Picard. We quick cut to Jurati working away in her combat. Back to Seven. Picard's actions today will show what happens when the Confederation is defiled and defied. Picard takes his spot. Um, and it's noted that no monster can survive human might. The queen is brought in. Kill, kill 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 and so forth we cut to raffi and elnor there um who is handed over to a couple of uh confederation security types to be beaten or ultimately take a beating and stall for time as raffi's working on uh getting them up to la serena uh picard meanwhile uh, stalls by working the crowd, ultimately resulting there in booze the longer he waits. Um, and then 
Elnor allowed to turn it on and turn on those security guys. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a super fun fight where he, you know, kills about five people. Uh, that that sweet little little former nun Elnor. Um, we also have some reference here um, where Jurati and Rios are talking about sharing emotions. Part of the problem with Agnes is that she won't share emotions with another person. So, Pete, we're getting our, our character moments even intercut with action. Raffi gets the palace shields down. Um, <laughs> Elnor, by the way, back to his fight after he has, you know, killed some people. Uh, the Admiral said to improvise. So, yeah. Um, with that, shields are down, uh, So, but Agnes is not quite ready. We have Picard still holding fire, the crowd booing. Um, come on, Gerardi, we have 10 more seconds, let's go. Uh, with the crowd truly turning, Picard now fires at the guards. Rios still can't get a lock. Come on, Agnes. Then finally she does her thing. She's beamed up one by one. All our heroes are beamed up, and the magistrate is shocked. See, Pete, like I said, on track for some time travel and a happy ending for this episode the queen is pushed toward the engine there and eventually Gerardi needs uh the main array access something of course rios is hesitant to provide and as the rest of the crew rush to the bridge area of la serena uh, and and speed off we find ultimately that a fleet has been deployed and then there is a warning of a presidential override uh with all of this tension here uh and with the queen being hooked up to ensure time travel uh la serena is starting to shake and bake here the queen is hooked in this is all better work uh, it'll probably work uh with that the magistrate beams in surprising shoots elnor more surprising more security beams in the jig is up uh pete elmore uh, elnor not dead although it looks like he's dying the magistrate triumphant wonders what a trophy of picard's head will say perhaps jean-luc picard traitor killed while rescuing a borg to end the episode Pete, let's get things going with a threat analysis here, and let's start with, of course, Q. John Delancey, back-to-back episodes here, and though we got him at the very end of the last one and only at the beginning of this one, his presence figures large throughout. And certainly, as I said before, the notion that it's not just rascally Q again, that there's something that's changed with his mindset his presentation and so forth the you know that does add to the threat uh, of their present situation uh we also have pete as a threat the magistrate a new character who is um i think he's a great presence here as i guess the the highest ranking you know bad guy face of the confederation and married to the president so the the first husband as Gerardi refers to him. Um, I know you're going to float a theory with him in a moment. Um, the, the question of what exactly his role might be in the season, in these couple episodes, uh, remains to be seen. We have 
supposedly as a threat the bored queen although her contributions all positive in this episode uh you know will there be the possibility for duplicitousness uh from her in the future sure but it's kind of oddly though she is a threatening presence it's all positive uh for this week the old enemy of my enemy is my friend trope here but given every borg queen we've ever seen and how it's gone um and then the potential for misdirection with that and then the potential for it twice in two episodes by possibly different board queens let's set our long-range sensors to look for some theories so pete wasn't it a bit odd that the magistrate had no name isn't that a conspicuous absence it is let's hear this theory here well we'll circle back to it in a second let me ask you this pete where's soji in all of this so i feel very strongly that all of this is tied into soji the board queen stuff the intrigue with gerardi adam sung picard's new nature as a thin synthetic it's all got to come back to isa brignone's character do you think it's possible that she is somehow connected to the magistrate who is played by john john brionius father of isa brionius <laughs> i did not know that so like it's so deli- when i saw that i was like look if you sit and go this guy's already so an established wait, actor in 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 well no so seven has no uh, Annika Hansen has no Borg implants, so it's not as if they could have uh, had a child that was Issa Briones, but that that is her father. That's crazy. Yeah, so I'm thinking perhaps, I mean, I know the fact that, oh, well, first of all, the fact that actor father and actress daughter are related. Okay, that's interesting. Now, that does not mean that the magistrate is the flesh and blood father of soji the synth but i think that you know you could say oh his daughter just happens to look like soji uh, and now that's where soji our soji has been swapped in you could do that you could say um if pete you feel that uh isa brignones's features are not uh kind of indicative of having uh annika hansen as a mother okay maybe soji is from a prior relationship or that sort of thing um and still could be the flesh and blood product of the magistrate. But I kind of, is it more than possible that they were looking for, uh, you know, a gentleman, middle-aged, you know, menacing looking, great actor and so forth. And they, they got this guy and along the way. They're like, oh, hey, you know, small world. Or, you know, it was one of these, the people that you know kind of thing in Hollywood. Sure. But I also feel like you got this guy. This guy's an actor. She's an actress. Like, there's story potential there how it'll fit together i don't know but again yeah the the choice in and of itself at least curious and and, and sticking with soji here in, in a larger sense uh, i know we have harvey who is very obviously a synth um and kind of that you think of that data type um construction not just with skin tone and the eyes but like you know an arm breaks off and there's wires and sparks and lights and that sort of thing can there be synths like Soji in a humans-only kind of confederation? That I don't know. And 
again, given what's been front loaded in advertisement, um, you know, hopefully Matt hasn't seen, but he also knew that we would see um, seven without the Borg implants. So the Adam Soong storyline and everything there back in time in 2024. Gee, what was the one temporal rescission that was made and more so who might've made it? Um, that certainly would be an interesting way to get Brent Spiner back, particularly as a guy who happens to be Brent Spiner's age and doesn't necessarily need to spend <laughs> a lot of time in the makeup chair and putting on a wig. And it's just kind of come as you are dab you up for the camera. Um, I, I think that'll be particularly since look, there's the desire to include more Brent Spiner this season or to, or to have him back again. I won't say it's shoehorning because I have every confidence that it's going to be great. But if you're going to sit and go, Oh, look, we found another guy who happens to look just like Brent Spiner, who's related to the Soongs or who is a Soong who just looks just like him. Like we'll forgive it. And that would be a fun way to get him in there. Uh, Pete, speaking of versions of characters Annie Wershing told the Hollywood Reporter that she she feels she is playing a different Borg mm-hmm. queen than the other Borg queens. Um, what do you say? Are separate from the whole the, the the new Borg ship is from a different dimension? All of that, yeah. Th- this presumably is this presumably the Borg queen that we've seen in prior Star Trek stories, let alone in the previous episode where we did not see a face uh, and the knowledge of the words look up that uh, Picard's mother spoke that he also told all of Starfleet Academy in an earlier scene. So it's not exactly a state secret, but you know, so Alice Griega and Susanna Thompson are the only actors to have played a work queen um, when she was up for the role, uh, Ms. Worshing. Uh, watched the um, she watched first contact and she was aware of the character then. And when she was given the role, she went back and watched all the appearances of the Borg queen. And like you said, she believes she's playing a version, but given the nature of the character and explained in the dialogue and story that they are aware of one another And then let's remember things that the Borg queen in various incarnations has said, I am the one and the many. Um, It's all part of the identity of the species. And other than Locutus, the one that has the most to say about who the Borg are. I see, by the way, that the aforementioned Susanna Thompson, who played the Borg queen in the Voyager episodes, also played moira queen in arrow so i think if you have a if you're good at something you keep doing it uh pete on the notion of the watcher here is the watcher perhaps the traveler i don't think the watcher is the traveler i think it is um it's guinan uh 2024 matt is guinan masquerading as Whoopi goldberg in los angeles on a tv show where she the views people as the watcher 
that would be super, super, super fun if, uh, and, and first of all, let me say, I certainly agree that, you know, Guinan clearly is around at that point in the timeline. So it's a perfect opportunity to not shoehorn, but to include Whoopi, um, to make, uh, th- that is a, per- that's a beautiful, perfect idea. Um, I, I, I hope they go for it because I feel like the joke would be, the joke would be worth it. Um, but, uh, well, I suppose time will tell, uh, perhaps next week, perhaps not. Um, again, I, I credit the show kind of the faux not knowing how it would end aside. I credit the show for not getting us to the time travel this episode. I think there must have been a, a, a vision of this episode, a draft where it ends with, look, we've made it. And you kind of the ship, you see the ship landing at uh, Griffith Park and overlook, you know, Los Angeles, where you hear the honking of horns and a propeller plane goes by, like, or a helicopter, like, we're, we might get that next week, but the fact that it's not kind of, all right, enough of the pretend stuff, now, we, now we've gone back in time, I appreciate that we're holding off on it a bit. Didn't need to shoehorn it into this episode, um, but I think with Q bookending this idea of a world of their own making. So what happened on the stargazer leading to this and that Picard is the board upon which the game is played begs the question, well, who are the players? Is this Q versus Guinan as we've, always crave that explanation is the Borg queen somehow one of the players is it somebody we're not uh anticipating at this point it would be it would be fun and i think fitting to recontextualize all the q appearances in next generation as him having a go at picard as a way to have a go at Guinan. Um, I know, of course, we've had some Q and Guinan screen time shared, but, you know, plenty of time where, where we haven't as well to say, you know, ah, ha, ha, Q actually showed up to give the bartender in 10 forward, who wasn't a character in Encounter of Farpoint in a set that didn't exist for that season of Next Generation. But all that Encounter of Farpoint stuff was actually just to raz Guinan. Congrats on your new job. Now I'm going to make life miserable for you. Um a, I really, really like that on its own kind of character merits, and B, insofar as there clearly was some sort of marching orders or desire this season to, you know, Q, John Delancey, Whoopi, those things. It's a way to, to tighten to tighten those appearances more than, look, I went to go see Whoopi Goldberg in the first episode, and then in the last episode, maybe filmed at the exact same time, I'll say, wowee, what a mission. Maybe I will go back. And with Laris, I will make Whoopi. What do you say, Guinan? <laughs> like, to get her in here more is a much better use. What's wrong with Q? I, I can't quite conceive it because here they are, the, the Q continuum, you know, quasi-ageless wonders capable of, you know, time travel and, and you know, transmutation and, and, and all of this. Um, probably the show would be better served to have less details versus more, you know, 
this is a sickness that afflicts some of the queue or Picard, I have been around for so long that even in a, you know, for a queue my age, sometimes memories fade or just something you go, oh, it's like queue aging, but on a billions or trillions uh, of years scale. Okay, got it. Just kind of call it, call it, you know, queue aging, queue sickness, whatever it is, just kind of give me a bucket to put it in. Um and we don't need to go, well, because of the positrons and because of the, you know, this, that, the other, just define it generally and go, you humans can't understand it any more than than it's dementia for a cue. But the Picard picks up on it and the the flash of violence there, we've never seen him strike Picard. True. And I do wonder you know, what's the story? Um, like, you know, does he strike Picard because it's a darker show that we, we could never get away with this on, on, uh, you know, when it was syndicated. Oh, okay. No, not really. That is, is it meant to just show a new malice? Okay. I mean, it certainly worked as new malice. Is it meant to be an example of his illness or a statement of his illness? I, I do kind of like it performing that story duty. And then um, a lot of people have pointed to one of the other skulls, visible, real wide kind of angular skull, possibly species 8472. But I took a deep dive and it's way too wide. It it will be interesting as the days and weeks unfold, um, particularly as it seems the the current... um, you know, creative people um, are are able to share more things online and able to authentically generate um, public reactions and public discourse about the show, not just be a bottled kind of PR offering of, you know, look, we've thoroughly vetted a thing where somebody can go, this is my eight second log entry to put on Instagram. Oh, I'm so scared about what will happen when the board come at the end you know so just the notion that we might be able to get you know more more photos from the set or things of that sort uh that could be a really um really rewarding experience even if it isn't you know a particular uh legacy species or that sort of thing neville page the designer here of these skulls and again the tremendous work he's done starting at sci-fi and now doing it for uh star trek with um the the skulls talking about uh, the fun they had doing it, but says that he's not at liberty to elaborate yet. Hmm. So what does that suggest? A, a return to this space with new details? I think that, that would be the very least suggested by that, right? So Picard, we're told, has his synthetic body because of Goldicott. So he killed Picard and then they uploaded his consciousness? Um, look, for the purposes of what we need and what we are getting out of this story, I really, it's fun to theorize. I I think it's just meant to be, we are going to establish that Picard, our Picard, um, who has a synthetic body now, um, is going to be welcome here and nobody's going to sit and go, but wait, you still have the metal detector. Ack, you're a synth robot. Instead, it's like, no, everybody knows that. Picard synth body something something but humans forever 
Um, and if you want to throw in a legacy reference to, to you know, <laughs> Pete, we now have the latest chronological reference to Gold Ducat. Gold Ducat returns and General Martok and a Cisco and Sarah. You know, like there's all of that. That's a good bit of fun. To me, it's somewhat purposeless to wonder, well, how did that exactly work? Because I think the story is just trying to say, yeah, you know the thing we did last season? Uh, it's cool here, too. Picard's fear that Q references is all of this because he's afraid to love? I mean, it'll be interesting to see how this, you know, running away from love kind of element referenced in the first episode, how that plus the 25th century plus the time travel, how that's all going to come together. Um, I, I welcome it. I can't quite foresee, like, it's not like we're going back to Picard, the Academy years, so he can, you know, sidle on up to that, to that sweetie that he had. And then he had pushed away cause he was focused on Academy work or things of that sort. I don't see how all the pieces fit. And again, I think it's a big credit to the show that whatever our, whatever our, our notions were for this season prior to episode 201, 201 redid those and then 202 okay fine we get the alternate thing but things aren't even as we would have predicted and that's that, that's a great place to be speaking of 201 matt we had that great fleet that arrived at the borg ship uh and in 202 we have a fleet of copy paste la serena ships <laughs> Well, Pete, funny you should mention the copy-paste fleet, something that we did not discuss in last week's podcast, I think because it was was a minor detail, was uh, the great, you know, variety of ships that showed up at the, you know, in, at, at, the, at the Borg ship and with the Stargazer and so forth. Um, interesting to see those designs and to read more about them, and I had certainly done a deep dive. Um, but again, like, hey, there's a new class of ship that uh, Starfleet, it has designed to be a throwback to the galaxy class. Like, okay, that's cool. That's not necessarily a huge bearing within the show or for production design or that sort of thing. Then a couple of days uh, into this past week came the story from um, some of the creative people for Picard that um, when they had released the season one finale and there was the copy paste fleet that Riker led and that that was widely uh, derided by fans they were they had just gotten the script for this episode it was like oh no a fleet is back and the fans are not happy and i guess in their estimation pete the fans were not happy and the production agreed you know some things like oh no burnham looks the way i don't want people to be i think the production quickly discards those the you know such nonsense um the fact here that they went to Star Trek Online and to those designers and said, can we bring some of those over? Also, you have a crew of people who know how to design Star Trek things and, and know how that's different than Star Wars ships. And you've already been through the process of making bad Starfleet ships. Now show us some of your good ones. Let's have that discussion. That's a win for the audience because whatever the fleet looks like is ultimately a minor thing, but do it right so that I can say, yes, that is a Starfleet fleet of ships. We get a number of glances between the Borg Queen and Dr. Gerardi 
uh, the idea of sympathy, perhaps the way she's presented, and then the repeated line of dialogue from the queen. There's a splinter in her flesh, no beginning, no end. Could this be about Gerardi? Could this be Soji? Um, I mean, I feel like we understand Gerardi's place in the story both kind of what she's contributing in you know as uh alt dr gerardi what she's contributing um generally speaking as the the you know the, the good dr gerardi on the goodwill tour and so forth um soji being missing i feel like that could be that could be a, a she's literally a missing piece that could that could match up nicely with uh the notion of this splinter in the board queen's existence plus the shard there of glass, both in the uh, Chateau Picard set, as well as in the credits, kind of ominous. It is. And I mean, we can certainly add to the list of mysteries, you know, some of the things that we saw Picard thinking about and we flashed back to uh, in terms of his upbringing that's obviously yet a different point in the universe and in the timeline um, it'll be interesting to see how much time gets spent in 2024 I think it kind of was sold to us as that's the season long adventure I would not be surprised if it's somewhere somewhere in the 206-207 range where they get back and then deal with the consequences for several episodes as opposed to get back halfway through 210 and go, look, the stargazers all together. Now let's, now that we understand the Borg, let's bring them on over because we can be friends and eight minutes of seeing where everybody ended up along with Picard and Laris. How are they going to get free from the magistrate and his goons to slingshot around the sun in the next episode? I mean, I'll assume that they will do it fairly quickly in the teaser act or the first full act um, of next week's episode. Could this be something that gets drawn out further? It absolutely could. You want to then put, you know, throw them all in jail. Now you need to do a jailbreak episode. You know, uh, that's, there's a lot of potential there. Um, That said, it's like, Everybody's assembled where they need to be. They're on the ship and the set that, first of all, it's a standing set. So it's not like, oh, now we need to throw away the La Serena set and make a new set for how we're going to transport back in time in another ship. So I, I think I think the fight will be the fight will be faster than not. And, and certainly time time will tell. With that, Pete, let's go to hailing frequencies. Hailing frequencies open, sir. And as always, we start with our Twitter poll, uh, in which people were told which uh, told to share which Q word describes their thoughts of penance as filthy scoundrels. Uh, they had to vote or reply, otherwise it's eradication day for them. Uh, Pete, the first option, querulous, angry emoji, got 0%. Quiescent, uh, snoozing emoji, got 4.3%. Quotable, two mind-blown emojis, got 4.3%. And then queenly, Three crowns got 91.3%. Uh, some Twitter replies. First is JT Adkins. It's at JTA is me. Really great. Now restore the timeline and get that entire crew onto the Stargazer for the further adventures while 
Admiral Picard and Laris, check in with them from time to time from their honeymoon chateau. <laughs> Uh, next, we hear from Andre Yeager at Dr. Apollo 1983. Picard is uh, killing it so far, and it's only been two episodes. Great callbacks, great story, and great acting. Keep it coming. Next, we hear from James the Sagacious. That's at Big Killin on Twitter. Some of the best Trek ever. Can't wait for more. Would love to see Cisco in this world. Pete, I think we all would. Pete, oh can you God. name one person? Could you imagine? Could you imagine? It, it would be wonderful. Pete, can you name one person who might not want to see Cisco in front of a camera? I I can't. I can't. Is and it maybe it... Avery Brooks? <sighs> you know, he does the convention circuit a bit, but refused, declined participation in the official Deep Space Nine documentary that was about how wonderful Deep Space Nine was, made by people who love Deep Space Nine. <sighs> uh, it it you know. would be just tremendous that he could return here we get the potential nod although again it could be jaco but uh yeah i mean if if he were to show up wow hopefully it's not general al cisco over here hey profits (laughs) i got your profits right here (laughs) dominion Goodbye. Um, next, we are from Spider Ham Lincoln. It's at Tess LC139. I love, I dot 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 loved everything about this episode. I was sucked into every minute, and I wish I didn't have to wait a week for the next one. This is my kind of TNG alternate timeline, time travel, Q, Borg, androids. I could go on and on. Suffice it to say, I'll take the pulse pounding Picard any day over the drudgery of a season four Discovery episode. Pete, while I will politely disagree with Spider-Ham Lincoln that season four of Discovery has been drudgery, I did say on the Disco podcast, and I'll pick up the thought here, the notion that on Discovery we got kind of, you know, um, math, science, diplomacy storyline, yes, with super high stakes and all that, but kind of the, the, the backbone was math, science, diplomacy, working it out, talking it out, that sort of thing. Uh, and then in Picard, we got, you know, Pete in the execution thing it's red lights red hats we kind of got that you know like I really love my confederation flag we got all of that kind of as our lesson but it wasn't really the backbone the backbone was run and gun friend adventure world's crazy gotta gotta bleep the bloop and zip the zop and all that you know we got our kind of action adventure um with some lesson in Picard this week we got a good amount of lesson um and some action adventure and discovery. I mean, th- this was a great Thursday to see these two episodes. The different flavors of Star Trek, and with five shows uh, currently, um, you know, Strange New Worlds to be the last of of this group before you know, with the third season of Picard, they pivot to a new production. Um, that they can be different things. They shouldn't be the same things. And then even, all right, what's, what's Picard doing this week? It's the variation of the theme that discovery's done. Um, so yeah, they can, they can show us different looks. And I love that, you know, on the same day, we're getting these two very different looks of these shows. I think with five shows, though there are the people like us who are committed to everything Star Trek. I mean, I've watched every episode of, of Prodigy. 
I can't speak for Matt. Um, but the idea that you can pick and choose, like, which is your Star Trek? There are people that, like, Voyager is their jam, and that's great, and that's awesome. You don't need to watch them all. There are people, uh, you know, James Kellen, I think back to uh, yesterday, Dis Discovery being his comfort food. And, you know, that's a part of it as well. You, you don't need to, you know have every trek be your favorite but you can pick favorites it's okay next tweet here from make it so that's at kclyle1 on twitter the go back in time to save the changes in the present certainly isn't uh new in sci-fi but so far picard is doing it just as well if not better than most this was a great episode with an ending i didn't expect i felt they'd successfully get 20 to 2024 and in the next episode uh, almost forgot the callbacks uh, to the other characters and episodes. Those skill skulls were very cool. And Q himself said something about through the mirror darkly. Very cool. Can't wait to see what happened in 2024 that led Picard to being a savage killer. Uh, next, Rose Ferry. That's at Anna Rose 584. This episode of Picard gave us all of the team plus a husband who's mean. Uh, Gerardi <laughs> gave the best cover story ever. And if I wasn't crazy about her before, she changed my mind in this episode. Hilarious. Uh, next, Noelle Gardner, that's at Noelle Camille, uh, chimes in. She says, I loved all the, the little nods in this episode, even the mention of Kirk's Enterprise time travel. I was surprised by the ending. I really thought we would see 2024 by the end of the episode. Now I have to wait. Uh, and Jackie Wolf replied to that saying, I love that they just came out and said basically, yeah, we're doing the same thing as Kirk's, uh, as the time Kirk saved the whales, deal with it. Uh, next up, Pete, one of the Fantastic Geek OG pals, Ian Knight, that's at Zort70 on Twitter. Uh, he says, it was the start of a voyage home. I'm looking forward to seeing some Borg-assimilated whales on the La Serena and more improvisation, <laughs> more improvisation ordered by the Admiral. Yesterday's Enterprise is uh, through a mirror darkly, and Mr. Alphabet needs some healing. Uh, now, Pete, we hear more from Jackie Wolf, who says, This series is everything to me. It could have been just another sloppy TV remake, looking at you, Fuller House. But instead, we're getting to know an already well-loved character in a new way, with just the right amount of callbacks and cameos to keep me coming back for more. Here's hoping for a Cisco cameo, Jake or Ben. But can we spread out more Trek goodness, please? Discovering Picard on the same night is more than my heart can take. <laughs> um, uh, Pete, I think he, he, here's how Paramount Plus would reply. It's great that you're eager to watch both. If you want to watch one on Thursday and one on Friday, you can do that. If you want to binge them, you just need to wait nine weeks and then binge them all together. You know, there there is that flexibility there yes i know jackie is part of the twitter conversation and and so forth but it is nice having that flexibility oh man life got in the way i missed a week it's not well i hope they get it on reruns when they do the episode in between christmas and new year's like it, it's all there for you it is and people have taken advantage of those free trials so there's that pathway as well Penultimately, we hear from AMC, that's Anne Coltonham on Twitter. Stellar episode of Star Trek Picard. It had me on the edge of my seat from start to finish. A little Vintage 7 showing. Uh, winky emoji. Uh, looking forward to listening to the podcast. And lastly, Pete, we hear from Mike Carrier. That's Mike in Cleave 66. I absolutely love the episode. Just wish I could have geeked out to Chakotay or the Doctor being Seven's husband in the new reality. The Borg Queen looked nightmarishly magnificent. Pete, 
awesome thought there from Mike. Do you go for the, whether it's Chakotay or do you go for, you know, Robert Picardo as Joe Schmo, not the doctor? Would have been cool. I think maybe there's some virtue to have not done it so you don't kind of mm-hmm. go the wrong way with fun versus malice. But I like how Mike is thinking. Yeah, and I, I would agree on the restraint. Um, you know, given everything we're juggling to throw a, a cameo of a beloved character on top of that might break it. Pete, a couple of emails here. First one is from uh, Andrew Fenton, uh, who had he had emailed um, last Monday. So in response to, to our podcast for 201 and prior to 202 airing, hey, guys, appreciate your deep dive on this excellent episode. Again, he's talking 201 and your entire podcast. When discussing Picard's relationship history, uh, though, I was hoping you would discuss the TNG episode, The Inner Light, where Picard does fall in love and raise a family. To me, that was always why he could justify being so dedicated to Starfleet. He actually lived an entire life where he was a family man. Thanks again for your guys' work. Pete, I must confess, I mean, everybody knows the inner light. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't naturally think of that as Picard's chronology because of the sci-fi, you know, oh, and then it was all a dream. But Andrew is completely right that that's, that's totally part of Picard's experience. Yes, but... You know, what was the larger discussion? It was always temporary. So in a flash, he lived a life where, yes, he did have a long time uh, wife and companion, but it was temporary. So we're speaking to the larger theme that he's never settled down for good. And I might argue, so Picard as a person, yes, he did experience that and he experienced it. His brain experienced it in real time will allow the conceit of, you know, it was the memory beam ray thing. Now, was Picard as a person, the way Picard was written, the way Picard was treated for all the episodes after that and the movies and and so forth, did they change how they wrote because of it? Not aside from the one episode where he plays the flute again, I would argue. So I agree with Andrew that it like that change happened to Picard as a person. I don't know that it changed that that change occurred to him as a as a character. Uh, Pete, the last email here is from Stacy, uh, who again, as I mentioned on the Discovery podcast, uh, subject line: Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, for <laughs> Picard, she said, "Damn, that was a ride." I watched with my hands over my eyes, like it was a horror movie. I thought we were currently in the darkest timeline. Uh, and Hugh wanders in, cracks his knuckles, and says, hold my beer. So awful to see Picard with slave workers and a room full of skulls of his kills. Seeing where everyone else ended up was great. I'm glad they got the band back together in short order. Love that they're going to go to Slingshot Around the Sun to time travel a la Voyage Home. Or at least that was the intent. I have a feeling they're going to end up in 2024 via a different method unless they pop off with Seven's hubby in tow. Absolutely cannot wait to see how this season goes. Again, Pete, that from Stacy, a.k.a. Stingray, a.k.a. Trek Girl, uh, 88 on Twitter. So let's break that down there, Pete. Do they travel back uh, not in a slingshot around the sun? No. That's how it's happening. Do they bring Mr. Magistrate along? That could be fun. interesting aspect i had not considered and now knowing the 
real world relation to the actress who plays Soji. I am finding myself hoping for that. Pete, let's now hear from Admiral Fred of the Netherlands, who I'm assuming in another timeline is General Fred of the European Alliance. Hello, Matt and Pete and all listeners to Fantastic Geek. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 2. Really a very nice episode. I gave it a 9 on IMDb. Enjoyed this so much better than Star Trek Discovery. Why not a 10? Well, that's only because of the story a little bit in the sense of that we know these kinds of alterations of the timeline and then trying to go back to the past. But nevertheless, very nice with well-known characters with no discovery-like whisper mode. Although Burnham did yell in the previous episode. I like the build-up very much. So first with Picard, I didn't understand what was happening. And then slowly all the main characters discovered that they were somewhere they didn't understand. I really have to say that they all really quickly adapted to the situation and even managed not to make all people around them too suspicious. The only one that didn't succeed in that that good was Girati, although it also fits her character to be kind of chaotic, so then it's also okay. So all the discovery of where they are and how everything is played is quite quick, but that's also okay. It was not too quick, so that it became unlikely. One thing I didn't understand, but that's always the problem with time travel, is that they are in an alternative timeline, but still they suddenly came into a life they already had lived in that timeline. So there are no duplicates. So you're actually putting a consciousness of another timeline in the person, in the body of a different timeline. And, well, that's that's a kind of new, but... Although if you have seen the series Travelers, then you have seen something like it. Not exactly the same, because it then gets into another person's body, but in this case, in your own body in another timeline. Well, these time travel stories always melt your brain. And last but not least, very nice how Patrick Stewart, or perhaps you could say Picard, plays the role of the general. Very tough, strict, etc. It's a bit reminiscent of the mirror universes in Star Trek, the original series and Discovery. Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Wisdom from Fred, as always. Uh, He credited everyone's quick uh, adaptation into the evil timeline. Pete, it does remind me, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was from the Mirror Mirror episode where, what's the observation? It's easier for a good person to pretend that they're bad than for a bad person to pretend that they are evil. Absolutely. Um, The alternate timelines, but not having the duplicates here given Q's involvement, I think really takes that out of play. Um, So really looking at what's presented and then throwing in the idea that Q intervened and Q is not well. Um, So the larger game metaphor going on. 
Well, Pete, we are game for the whole season of Star Trek Picard and more. And of course, that's made possible by those who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive content, all sorts of levels to uh, contribute at. But just a dollar a month gets you in that door. Uh, can't contribute this month, get over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating in seconds or a review in a little bit longer to any of our currently 25 podcast feeds. Pete, let's also keep the Star Trek conversation going, uh, especially with Discovery Season 4 starting to wrap up and the second season of Picard heating up. How can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-L-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,408 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the P and the H, like it today. If you're listening via the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we'll be talking Star Trek Strange New Worlds at some point this week. Uh, of course, that feed will be simulcast for Discovery and Picard. If you're here just for Picard, we'll see you back next Sunday for Picard episode 203. Uh, Pete, that'll also feature a podcast where we, we say goodbye to you, the 1999 version, and send you back maybe into another body or the same body. And we find out we're... 2022 pete has been it's going to be a magical time with that i will say adios to all the listeners and give you 1999 pete the final word is anybody else hot with these collars 